0: and welcome to the show. This is episode number 104 of Pop Culturally Deprived and today we're going to be talking about Amelie on your Even Artichokes Have Hearts podcast. I'm Mandy Kay.
1: And I'm Matthew Vose.
0: Pretty sure I said that name wrong, but that's okay.
1: Wait, Mandy Kay? <laughs> Sounded <laughs> no. not the same as normal?
0: <laughs> the French name. It's the title of this movie that I say wrong every time.
1: <laughs> Amelie?
0: Yes, I try too hard to get the inflection right, and then I just mess it up. (laughs) So I'm not going to say it anymore.
1: I mean, I should have put in the notes. I should have put the full title, shouldn't I? I made you read that one out.
0: Oh, no, Um, I wouldn't have done that. I'm going to let you do that.
1: Emily, we're kicking off, by the time this comes out, it's going to be probably into January. Um, But we're kicking off 2019 with a French film, which I don't think (laughs) has any dub track. I think it is always a subtitled film. So it was something a little bit different than we've done before, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, how come you've never watched Amelie? Did you know about this film?
0: I've known about it. The cover of it is absolutely recognizable. Mm. And I've always been intrigued by it. I've always said I want to watch it, but I've never watched it. And probably because it's French, but that just seems like a really silly reason not to have watched it. Okay. So I just, I don't know.
1: Okay it's the, so this is the third time I've watched it this year, Um, but I hadn't watched it before this year either. Um, It seems very high in whimsy, and I think we've discussed before that whimsy doesn't go very far with me. Mm -hmm. So that was why it took me a very long time to watch it. Um, But it is my wife's, one of my wife's favourite films. It's one of my dad's favourite films. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll give it a go in the year that I'm watching all these movies.
0: Right. Hmm. I had no idea it, it had a high whimsy factor. Um, I, I didn't actually know what the movie was about. Okay. I just knew it was about a girl and it was pretty and the cover was really colorful. Mm-hmm. And those are all things that are enticing to me usually. <laughs> Joseph asked me what it was about and I said, um, it's a French movie with a girl named Amelie in it.
1: Maybe. That's all I know.
0: Maybe, yeah. Or it's about a
1: painting <laughs> that's called Amelie or... <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I honestly had no idea what it was about.
1: Okay. The Maltese (laughs) Amélie That was a deep cut statue joke for some of you out there Um, Let's tell everyone a bit about this movie Amélie is a 2001 French romantic comedy Directed by Jean-Pierre Jeunet Starring Audrey Tattoo and Mathieu Kasovitz With the full title Le Fabuleux Destin d'Amélie Poulain, It was a huge success in France and internationally Despite receiving only a limited release In the UK and North America Amelie was not selected to be screened at the Cannes Film Festival it was described by a selector as uninteresting. It was noted that the version they watched for selection was an early version that didn't have music but this ended up becoming a fairly controversial decision when the film's popularity bore out with uh, the general public and it was then nominated for five Academy Awards and it won the People's Choice Award at the Toronto International Film Festival. So it did well it did very well
0: It did very well. I think it's like, I think at this point it's the fourth highest grossing foreign film in the United States, Mm. but for a while it was first or second. Okay. I think that's what I read.
1: Oh, you can't say that without giving me the rest of that list.
0: (laughs) Um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. (laughs) Oh God, what was the other one?
1: So you're saying highest grossing in the US, aren't you? So that's the important thing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Life is Beautiful, Hero, Instructions Not Included, Pan's Labyrinth, Amelie.
0: Ah, it's dropped down to six. But I
1: think the point here is this is foreign language, Mm -hmm. which isn't foreign film.
0: Mm -hmm. Because I'm fairly sure,
1: like, The King's Speech was pretty popular over there.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, foreign language is definitely a much better descriptor.
1: Oh, yeah, because here's a list on The Guardian from 2013, where it is 4th, four, 5th. Have you seen Pan's Labyrinth? I have not. Okay. Have you seen uh, Hero? Probably I have not. not. Have you seen, I Life? Have seen Life is Beautiful? I've seen Life is Beautiful. I've got that on DVD downstairs at the moment. I've not watched it yet, though. Uh, Krat- oh,
0: it's really good.
1: I, I am looking forward to it. It was one uh, Catherine's parents had it on their shelf. I was like, oh, oh, I want to see that. Um Crouching Tiger?
0: No, I have not seen it. Okay. I I intended to, but then it became so popular and I was in my hipster phase where I thought if it's popular, I obviously can't watch it.
1: (laughs) Uh, Controversial, I don't really like Crouching Tiger. I found it boring when it first came out. I found it boring when I revisited it this year. Michelle Yeoh, however, is amazing. As she is in everything.
0: Yes, she is in everything.
1: Amelie. Let's get back to Amelie. Uh, Okay. Do you want to give us a brief synopsis?
0: Yes. So I did not like the synopsis that IMDb had. I didn't like the official synopsis. And then I found a synopsis from an article on Medium that I actually really did like. So that's what I'm going to give you. So Amelie is a French movie about an imaginative woman who finds joy in helping others break out of their comfort zones and her own struggle with her comfort zone and isolation.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: I like that one because it doesn't talk about her quest for love. No, absolutely. Which is a very small, tiny piece of this movie.
1: Yeah, it becomes important in that second half. But right. It she, it she is not on a quest for love. Mm-hmm. Or no, she's not on, on a quest for romance. Mm, discuss the nature of love. Nature of love is about <laughs> a perfect thing. <now. laughs> How were you able to watch this film?
0: Uh, it is on Hulu.
1: Hooray! Yay Hooray. for Hulu! Yes. Uh, I do not own this on DVD. Catherine owns it on DVD.
0: So by default, you also own it on DVD now. It's
1: well, it's on her shelf of DVDs. <laughs> she has her own <laughs> special section. Um okay. We also we screened this as part of the Godalming Film Festival in mm-hmm. uh, August 2018
0: yes i remember you telling me you were excited about that one
1: yes it was very good um it was nice to watch it in the cinema with other people you took along and everything
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay the director has directed quite a few things he's a fairly famous french director and audrey tattoo herself has been in uh, quite a lot of stuff um do you have any experience of either of them
0: not of the director but i realized that he directed alien resurrection which joss whedon wrote and so i need to see that
1: okay have you seen any of the other Alien films?
0: I've seen the first two.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I would be interested to revisit that one and Alien 3. Because I enjoyed okay. them more than everyone else. So I'd want to see if I'm wrong to have done so. but
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: And, and I love Sigourney Weaver, so...
0: Who doesn't love Sigourney Weaver?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was honestly surprised that I am familiar with two of the actors that were in this piece. Okay. Because I don't generally watch foreign films, let alone foreign language films. Mm. Um, but Audrey Tattoo was in The Da Vinci Code with Tom Hanks. She played the she female was. lead yes, in that yes, movie. Yes. And as a bonus, the jealous uh, patron of the diner, Joseph, uh, he was played by a gentleman named Dominique Pignol, and he played Master Raymond on season two of Outlander. Uh, okay, I could not place him. I was what this whole time I was watching this movie, I was like, I know his face, I know his face. Where have I seen him before? Right. And so then I looked it up, and I was like, it's so obvious. That's Master Master Raymond.
1: Uh, he is in, I think, everything that Juno did. He's okay. in Alien Resurrection. He's in. He's definitely in City of Lost Children. I think he's in Delicatessen. He's in Micmacs he is he okay. uh, june considers him a terrific actor so we always cast him nice hmm. good work if you can get it um similar material this is a slightly strange one let's let's start with uh french films and films with subtitles what's your feeling on films subtitles yeah
0: <laughs> this is definitely my first french film okay I, i'm pretty sure um it's definitely my first french subtitled film I haven't watched a lot of movies that are subtitled instead of dubbed. Actually, I haven't watched a lot of dubbed either. Really, just the one we did for this show. Right. Um, but subtitles don't bother me. Um, a couple of my favorites, uh, one is a Japanese film called Shall We Dance? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Remake. Not the terrible uh, remake Richard, yeah, with yeah, Richard Gere, yeah. and Jennifer <laughs> Lopez. <laughs> terrible remake. The original is fantastic. Um, and we already talked about life is beautiful. It makes me sob every time it's a beautiful fantastic heartbreaking movie oh. so yeah subtitles don't bother me yeah. it, it is slightly distracting when you're trying to take notes i kept having to pause it because i couldn't read and also type at the same time
1: okay yeah yeah
0: but you know that's the life of a movie podcaster i guess
1: mm. i actually wrote notes for this one <laughs> we, we've gotten a new uh notebook from a conference so I was like, oh, I'm, okay. I'm going to write physical notes for this.
0: Wow, yeah. oh, that's cool.
1: <laughs> But also, yes, as it was the third time. In fact, and this is something I might do more with films. I watched it with the, um, obviously, subtitles on, ofs, but with the director's commentary on as well.
0: Mm, okay.
1: Because then you've still got the visual of the film. You can still get the film dialogue on what's going on through the subtitles, but then you can hear the uh, director's commentary.
0: Okay. Which I don't
1: I often do. I don't want to steal stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was interested in what he would say about it, because it's such a, an unusual film. Right. Spoilers, not much. <laughs> it was mostly him gushing about how great the film is, and how much he enjoyed working with all these people.
0: Oh, that's really sweet. Which was very
1: sweet. Um, Amelie, Le Fabule, Fabulo. Oh, I'm scrolling up to try and find it, Le Fabulo Destin d'Amélie Poulain. Did you enjoy it?
0: Generally, I mean, okay. (laughs) I didn't love it and I didn't hate it. It was kind of middle of the road for me. I I enjoyed watching it, kind of. It was way too long, but I know we're going to talk about that. Okay. Um, I found an article in the November, December 2001 issue, of film comment that I think kind of sums up my feelings on this movie. Mm-hmm. They wrote Amelie is one of those films that never stops reassuring the audience that it's on their side, taking them firmly by the hand and leading them, well, nowhere really. And that's kind of how I felt about it. I feel like this is really a movie about nothing. Okay. And and there are times where movies about nothing can be beautiful and inspiring and uplifting and just leave you feeling wonderful. This one didn't really do that for me. Oh, okay. But I didn't dislike it.
1: Okay. The, the the big part of the film, exactly like you said uh, up top, is her deciding to help people. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have this one. She drops a bottle cap because she's shocked at the death of Princess Diana. She finds the uh, box of toys. She says that if she can return them and the person is happy, then she will help many, many people. So she goes on to help many, many people. hmm
0: Well... She tries. Yeah,
1: exactly. Were, were you with her for that? Or did you think, oh, this is this is going to be good? It's going to be interesting to see what she does for people.
0: I, I didn't really think about it like that up front, mm, okay. and I, I'm not sure why. I that's that's an interesting way to, to phrase the question. I yeah. So up front, I just was wondering what was going to happen next. I wasn't thinking, oh, this is going to be a great story about doing good deeds. Right. Maybe it should have been, but it
1: wasn't. Okay. <laughs> okay so one of the things i found quite interesting i was trying to note is how long it takes to get to bits of the film i mean amelie herself the 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 adult audrey tattoo amelie is not introduced until 10 minutes in Mm -hmm. um and it's 15 minutes in that we get the hidden box so we actually get to some semblance of plot um Mm -hmm. and then it's 40 minutes by the time that uh nino drops the bag with the book which sort of kickstarts the second half of it, of her trying to track down him and the mystery of the man in the photos.
0: Right.
1: Is that part of it? Is it just you were trying to work out what was going on, but actually a lot of it is setting up characters and scenes?
0: I think so. I think, um, this, I think this ties into my feeling about the length of the movie. Mm. Because I feel like the movie was too long. And I think it is because it took so much time to set up characters. It took so much time to just visually show us things that didn't necessarily need to have that much time spent on them. Like the story itself I wouldn't change. I would just change how it was presented, like how it was packaged and and shave off some things. Although I can't specifically tell you what I would shave off because by the time I got to the end, I had been watching it for so long that I forgot some of what happened at the beginning. (laughs) Okay.
1: Okay. So uh, part of the reason that the length occurs to me as a question is when we screened it at the festival, there was a chap after it that I spoke to. There was a whole group of us talking about the film and he enjoyed it, but he thought it was way too long. Mm-hmm. definitely could have been cut down and and for me i don't think there's anything i could take out of this film i think it all works um okay i i i can appreciate it takes a while to get there um is there anything you think you'd change anything you do with it uh, would you just muddle some of it around and take out some of that work it's doing up front to introduce all the characters and maybe break that down further into the film
0: Maybe and and honestly, I have to wonder if this is just my American sensibilities not understanding something that's not American. Okay. Because <laughs> the the example that I can really come up with off the top of my head is at the end when uh, Amelie and is it Nino?
1: Nino, I think
0: they finally are confronted with one another. They've still not actually spoken to each other and they go into this like, God, I swear to God, it's like a five minute long kiss that they kiss every part of their face. Like, cheek, cheek, neck, like, eye. I don't know. They just do all of this kissing and then they do it to the other person. And I swear to God, I think that was supposed to come across as like the most romantic kiss of all time ever. And all I could think was just get on with it. Just come on. Just. Do it already. Do it already. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And and honestly, I I think that might have to have, you know, that might be my American sensibilities where I I have a lack of patience. I just, I want to get to the end. I want the follow through. I I don't want to spend all of this time getting there. Like sometimes I do, but this whole movie just kind of felt like you were sitting on the precipice of something happening and it never actually happens. Does that make me a terrible person?
1: No, no, not at all. And you can enjoy this stuff as much or as little as you want to. That's the great thing about yeah. it. Um <laughs> I seem to remember watching Indiana Jones doing exactly that thing. And you, uh, who do who we record the first Indiana Jones with? Steph. Ste- you and Steph being like, oh, it's so cute. He's got the puppy dog face and he's like, kiss me here, kiss this boo-boo, kiss this boo-boo on my elbow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The, the the two experiences just felt different.
1: Okay, and, and they they are different. It's just that's one of the things that always reminds me of. Um, yeah, it is surprising for for a film that is so wordy at times. I mean that that, that first ten minutes introducing every character, um, and even after we meet Amelie uh, as a grown up, then introducing her colleagues and the people in the in the uh, cafe, it, it goes into so much detail describing them, and then you get the last. Possibly five minutes or so that is just her making a cake and imagining what would be happening if Nina was there and him running out to get an ingredient for her and coming back up. And Mm -hmm. I think there's the one line of him saying, I want to, you know, uh, I'll come back later, effectively. Her watching the video and then you get a long silent sequence as well where he comes back up as she opens the door. Mm hmm. And is it because, again, we're in this feeling of it's so wordy and we're having everything described to us and we're taking it all in that now the film just lets itself be?
0: Well, I think that's interesting because I think I compartmentalized the narrator from the movie. Okay. And so the narrator was very, very wordy and, oh, wow, spoke so fast. (laughs) But the movie itself really didn't have that much dialogue, particularly surrounding Amelie herself. Mm Mm-hmm. She didn't have much dialogue, and when she did, it was one or two words, or it was not dialogue, but body language, like shaking her head, running away, those sorts of things. And so I found myself thinking that this movie is more visual than anything else. But you're right. It is very wordy when you put the narrator back in, and for some reason, my brain just compartmentalizes the two things. Okay.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Because I I love that the film just says here's ten minutes of every character you're going to need to know, including the mother who you don't need to know, but we're still going right, to right, We're still going to spend those first few minutes giving her equal time mm-hmm. up until the point we kill her off, right. And then we're going to introduce more characters and more situations and more things, and just to give you all this insight that isn't necessary but does set up the vibe that the film is a little fantastical a little silly but also set in the now
0: right it it goes along with that whole this movie is about nothing kind of feeling Mm. because you're getting all this mundane information about all of these characters like we didn't learn anything important about anybody you may argue with that. I don't know. Maybe you think we did learn important things, but we, we learned random silly facts about people, about what they like and what they don't like. And it was a nice contrast or no, – contrast isn't the right word because the father and the mother were very, very similar in, in what they did. but But how they set up the they like this thing, they don't like this thing, they really like this thing, and they kind of did that for each character. Mm-hmm. But they were all so – random just random things that that people like in their life you know it's it's not anything striking for any of them like i don't even remember what any of them were except for the toolbox and the purse (laughs) and amelie putting her hand in the grain
1: yep i like it because it makes the characters feel really fleshed out And and, and because everyone has this, these, you know, slight foibles or things they like. This is Mandy Kay. She loves Christmas and putting up decorations as early as she can.
0: Right. (laughs) And it just, it's it's such
1: a wonderful insight to a person to go, oh, they've got their own thing. Mm -hmm. It it, it makes it feel fuller, but the the film is doing a lot of work up front, so you have to be with it. Mm -hmm. To, to, you know, if any of that goes, uh, okay, give me some plot now. (laughs) It's going to put you off. I can see that. Right, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, so she she does good for people, and, and you see it most clearly in a few cases. She gets um, Joseph and Georgette together. She helps the blind man. And that wonderful sequence where you see the blind man glowing, because he's just mm-hmm. had this wonderful experience that she's given him. Um, and, and a few things for other people. But then you also get the revenge story against the grocer, which stands out a little bit, because as far as... Fun as it is, like it's quite mean. Com- it is quite mean compared to how she's trying to help other people. Did it stand out to you? Does it add like another element of sort of fun whimsy that you like? Or
0: I, I, I'm of two minds. Okay, it it didn't really fit with the rest of the tone of the movie because the rest of the movie was full of whimsy and bright colors, and and this was borderline dark. Mm. I mean, like the look, even the look on her face. I think one of my notes was if looks could kill that Gerser would be dead right now. Yeah. You know, but, but on the other hand, the things that she did to him were utterly brilliant, you know, changing the speed dial for his mother to a psychiatric hotline (laughs) after she's just absolutely made him think that he's insane is wonderful. Mm. I mean, this girl is like on the chaotic evil level, of things. but I, I liked it. Um, and and I, I think some of that comes from, in general, it, it's not really on the opposite end of the spectrum of her trying to do good things. Because it's not like she did all these good things and then she did this one evil thing. If she tried to do all of these good things and where they fell was really on a subjective scale. Because I'm not sure that everything that she did actually was good. Mm-hmm. Because you have Georgette and Joseph end up fighting mm-hmm. and you know he's too jealous and she's too... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? high, strong,
1: possessive, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, mm. and the the thing that she did with the letter for her her landlord or mm. I guess they called her a concierge in this, I don't know if she did more harm than good there, honestly, I don't know if I would feel better if I were her mm. in her shoes because all of a sudden you realize that this man that I've been you know th- this this thing that has. I made the identity for my entire life you know it has given me everything that i am everything that i feel everything that i've experienced has come from this one thing and then all of a sudden you learn that you believe now that that one thing isn't true mm-hmm. so now you have a lifetime of regret because you've believed this horrible thing about this person who you now believe really did love you and you never tried to find him you didn't do you know like what what is that really better is all of a sudden having, feeling love but regret better than feeling what you had? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I found it tough.
1: Yeah. On, personally. On that one, I think we're supposed to view it as she will go into her life as a happier person, potentially, without this sort of but, anger at her past. But, but you are exactly right. There is a side of that of now she's going to question everything and mm-hmm. it, it does change everything.
0: Right. It does change everything. And I totally get trying to make her happy and, and not have this bitterness because all of a sudden this thing that she thought that defined her life doesn't didn't exist, but it creates this whole new chain of events mm. that in some ways may be worse. Mm. And and I kinda I feel like that with, with Georgette and Joseph, it was wonderful until all of a sudden it wasn't. Yeah. So yeah. It's all very
1: chaotic. So for me this is I would put this up there as a perfect film. Okay. This is, I think the story, the stories that we get in this are terrific. I think the visuals, we'll probably talk about in a little bit of detail in a bit. Uh, But the visuals are just so arresting and terrific all the way through. I think the performances are absolutely stellar. And there is so much detail in here, it makes me come back. And just thinking about what we're saying here about its... It, it, it is kind of about nothing and there's only a few people she affects, some for the good, some for the better. It's that element of real life honesty that I like. That That is kind of how the world works in some ways. This is someone trying to do good and sometimes it comes off and sometimes it doesn't because of the people and the characters involved. Mm-hmm. And you come away with a feeling of, oh, some of it's resolved, some of it isn't. You know, we don't quite know what's happening with the grocer at the end and, and his assistant at the end of it um, you know some people have changed some people haven't but wrapped up within that it's got this just wonderful fantasy element the the, the creatures moving and her as a child imagining that she's got a stethoscope, stethoscope on a crocodile and the pig lamp that turns her light off for her mm-hmm. um, the wonderful moment where she turns into water and I, I think it adds just a I don't think whimsy is the right word because I'm not a fan of whimsy. Mm-hmm. But whatever it is, I really enjoy it for that thing. The fact that I can watch this and be, oh, this is so nice and fun and it looks good. And I'm enjoying the, the dialogue and the characters and everything. It just all comes together to really make something wonderful.
0: It, it was a really arresting way to bring visual to the imagination. Mhm. Because we did spend quite a bit of time in her imagination throughout the course of the movie. Yeah. It almost reminds me of, this is going to sound really bad, but it almost (laughs) reminds me a little bit of Matilda.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That is a very, very fair comparison. Okay. Mm.
0: (laughs) It's not just me. Okay.
1: No, certainly those fantastical elements could come right out of something by Roald Dahl. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I I did want to ask, though, Mm. one of the things that I didn't really understand visually what they were trying to do were the elements like the blind man, when she leaves him, he's glowing. That's Mm. the first instance we get of that glow, but it's not the last. We see it other times. And I didn't really understand what it was supposed to signify what was happening? What, what's the common element between all of those things that would tie that glowiness together? Because I don't get it.
1: I I think it's purely the director showing us that this person's life has been enriched through his interaction with Emily.
0: Well, but one of them was showing the key in in her pocket.
1: See, I don't think that's a glow. I I think, the blind man is the only time we see that glow, certainly in that way. Where we see the key, it's just to remind us that she has the key on her. Okay. And what has happened. But is that when she's breaking in that she's got the key? Or when she she goes to return what? the key but then decides to...
0: Yeah, it's right yeah. after she returns the original set. It shows us that she has one. But oh. it, it lit it up in a very similar way. Okay. And I think there was another one of her heart beating after she was face-to-face with Nino the first time. Yeah, or when he didn't see her, but she saw him. It it just it happened in a couple of different places, okay. and it felt very mystical. And right. I I didn't understand what what Juno was trying to say okay. with those moments.
1: And that's probably just down to the effects being a bit similar. Okay. Um, or you reading them as a bit similar? I I love the bit when when she first sees him. And and he does the pan down and show us her heart beating a bit faster as a, you know, hubba hubba type thing. <laughs> and this is right. someone I really like. Um because it ties it into her heart beating faster when she gets that affection from her father on her monthly checkup. Right. And just a she has a visceral reaction to men that she likes, to people that she likes.
0: Okay. Okay that actually makes sense. I, I, I was yeah I thinking like the time together.
1: It. It's really nice. Okay. And in some ways it's it's that sort of extra fantasy that takes it away from being just a uh kind of like a Gwyneth Paltrow film like her version of Emma um or an Audrey mm-hmm. Hepburn film or something where it is just about um a young woman doing good things or having stories going on around her. That it adds this extra element that you wouldn't expect from a film like that. You wouldn't expect some of this. Right. Like I say, you know, uh, random special effects happening and the fish jumping out of the water and then having to put it back in.
0: Yeah, I don't buy that that goldfish would have lived that long out of the water, but uh, that's fine. It's a fantastical movie. Yeah, it's cool. absolutely.
1: <laughs> One of the things I love most about it. um, and at some point, I really should put together a video or something to expand on this. Is the sound of the film, and, mm-hmm. and I actually quite like that. The thing I said up top about how it wasn't selected for Cans because the sound wasn't there, or at least the music wasn't there, because there is mm-hmm. so much coming through the sort of the audio channel that the film is giving you to to call attention to certain things. There's, there's a, a lot of on-screen sound, the, the sound that your characters can hear, that sort of diegetic noise. Um, but they sometimes they use it to enhance what the character is going through or draw attention to things. There's mm-hmm. a bit when, I think when Nino walks into the cafe and the bell goes and you just, uh, or, or, no, maybe it's when she gets the idea of getting the couple together, Joseph and Georgette, and the bell goes to someone walking in, but it's done in such a way of her going, oh, here's a thing I can do to improve their lives. Right. You know, the, the light bulb over the head sort of moment, mm-hmm. but they're using that, that, um, audio cue to help mm-hmm. you there. But then there's, there's a lot of non-diegetic music things that are given to us as special effects or the music itself or the narrator. When she goes to see her father and it's late and she realizes she should take the gnome, there is a noise there just to call her attention to it. Mm-hmm. But it's not, It's not a noise that's present on screen, but yet it forces her to turn around. So does she hear these elements? Is she seeing some of this stuff that's happening? That's
0: an interesting question because she does break the fourth wall on more than one occasion in this
1: movie. Mm. Yeah, this is a film that wants you to know you are watching a film. Mm -hmm. Um, When the grocer spits out the... uh, I assume it's like a cognac that she's put salt into. And he spits (laughs) it and it... Hits the camera and then runs down the camera lens, right? You know, another film would have him spit, and they'd have zoomed in the the shot so that you don't get that effect of it hitting the screen. Um, I, I do. I always enjoy it when a film does something like that because so many films want you to forget. You know, oh, you're in a cinema. We want you to be part of the film with us. This is very much saying, no, you're watching a story, and sometimes we're going to talk at you, and sometimes we're going to look at you. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're going to have noise that you can hear, but also maybe our characters can hear.
0: Hey, it works for me.
1: It's lovely. Yeah. And so many of the scenes end with some sort of audio cue, the music going up or um, I think when she's at the fairground, there's like a a rush of the fairground noise and suddenly it goes into the next thing. And he uses Mm -hmm. that to go from scene to scene to sort of signify when we're ending something and moving on. Right. It's just, it's so appealing. I love it
0: it's nice to hear you gush about something Mm.
1: um the the one thing i did want to talk about that i think could possibly be improved um is her shyness because i think the film wants us to believe that she is incredibly shy she can actually really only interact with people for a short time she doesn't get involved in large group conversations um she finds it hard to talk to nino because of her shyness. But the way the film actually presents it, for me, it comes across much more as a, uh, she's a wallflower, she wants to watch the world, and she doesn't want herself to change. She's resistant resistant to going through change. And that's why she doesn't pursue Nino, and that's why she does things for other people, but only with a sort of soft touch, not actually telling them what she's doing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm interested how it came across to you. Did you feel she was shy, or did you feel she was just... Uh, possible manic pixie dream girl but outside of everything
0: more of the latter okay. she did not come across as shy she did come across particularly when they were very heavy handedly using the girl in the picture to kind of be the surrogate like her talking about the girl in the, the painting as mm. the way to tell us what she was feeling and experiencing yeah you know, in those moments, it, it, she wasn't shy. She was just alone, hmm. and she liked being alone. I think until she realized she didn't. Yeah, that that was really more how it came across to me.
1: Right. Yeah, because uh, that that's her father as well. He is exactly like that, and I and, and I like it. I like that she is similar to her father in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. A bit on the outside of things. Likes to watch stuff. Doesn't like when things impinge on him. Um But like the film tells us uh, when she sees the grocer being mean and there's the line of, and I can't remember exactly what it is, but with people whispering um witticisms from hidden windows, even the most shy person can get the last word in. Mm-hmm. And so they do that and she's the person who gets the last word in. And then when she sees that Nino's going away, when she said, it, no, it's not her in the picture... Um, she melts into the thing of water in, mm-hmm. in that sort of, oh, you know, why am I like this? Why can't I go to him? Yeah. Mm. But it all, the, the whole film hinges on Audrey Tattoo's performance, I think.
0: Oh, which was fantastic. Mm. She's very expressive. Her her face is very expressive. And I think that carried this movie.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's, it's interesting because, like I say, there's the bits of it that remind me of another Audrey, Audrey Hepburn um and particularly because i watched charade one of her films this week and audrey hepburn goes so just does not go very far for me um i find that she has one real reaction to things which is go quite wide-eyed um or she's in a bit of banter and she's you know marvelous giving back having flirty fun with all the people around her
0: okay whereas
1: i find audrey tattoo really good at Like you say, the whole range of things, whether she's doing something comedic, whether she's doing something quite emotional, whether she's just being a fun character in the movie and setting things up, Mm -hmm. you you get a lot from what she's doing. Mm -hmm. And it, it drives the whole piece. I think without her, as good as all the other performances are, they would not have supported this as well.
0: Oh, I absolutely agree.
1: So that's me gushing about it for a bit. Um. Did you have things that stood out for you? You generally enjoyed it? Are there particular things that you enjoyed?
0: From the beginning, I really liked that opening sequence of Amelie as a child. Mm. I felt that the, the shots that they chose, the things that they had her doing perfectly captured the essence of a child right. in a way that you don't often get from, say, Hollywood. Mm. You know, just having her have the, the raspberries on her fingers and biting them off yeah. or... You know, blowing the the paper, the the curled paper so that it shot out, you know, just little things like that. I I thought it was perfect Mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed it. I I really like I think the best line in the whole movie was when she's talking to her dad and she realizes that he is absolutely not listening to her when he asks how she was. And she said I had two heart attacks and abortion and did crack while I was pregnant. Other than that, I'm fine. It's just like, uh, oh, okay. Uh <laughs> um, but I think my very favorite thing in this movie was God. the whole gnome storyline.
1: Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> really honestly, watching the the gnome. Um, or her even just having the idea, and I like the idea that they introduced her um, flight attendant friend mm-hmm. just to do the storyline later yeah. it was brilliant. Because it didn't even occur to me until Philomena brought the gnome back that yep. that's how the gnome was getting to all of these places. I had wondered how was this happening, but it didn't occur to me until she came back. But just having the gnome go to all these places and have the gnome be having these adventures that her father has always wanted to have be the thing that spurs him to action, mm. I thought was wonderful. And I thought it was a wonderful th- wonderful thing for her to do for her father. But I also think Travelocity totally stole it for their ad campaign in 2004. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. It's played with such a light touch that, that you don't actually realize what she was doing. I think the first time I saw it, I thought she was... Taking a photo in front of postcards or something, always mm, mm-hmm. setting it all up herself. But the fact that her friend is traveling with it and being called Snow White—like her friend is not doing this on the sly. Blanche Neige,
0: c'est like, comme ça, tout m'appelle maintenant. Right, this is
1: absolutely <laughs> a, a fun thing they're all taking part in. Right, it's wonderful.
0: Yeah, I liked it a lot. Mm. It, it was that's my favorite, like, good deed that she did in this movie. Okay. Um, it's also the one that I think had the best outcome.
1: Mm-hmm. And and that's where it's nice that she's not sort of owned up to it at the end or been uncovered for it. It's just he's received all these things. He's made up his mind. And you, you just see him getting a taxi. Mm-hmm. It's not big. It's not public.
0: Yep. He's just my gnome has been traveling and my gnome came back. So now I'm going to go travel too. Lovely. <laughs> yes. What about you? Are there things you haven't quite gushed about enough yet?
1: The film is just full of moments, moments of wonder, of great little jokey bits of dialogue. Um, the, in the opening, when she does the joke of hens forth, if you caught that on the subtitles, I, I think the line is something like, the hens lay eggs in the coop, henceforth they shall do it overnight, something. And then when she repeats mm-hmm. it, she says, Hensforth. Mm-hmm. So it's a joke that only really works in subtitle. I think the French it doesn't even work in. Okay. But it's just it's a little moment of that. Um, mm-hmm. y- you talked about it's nice to learn what all the characters like to do and and the little mm-hmm. foibles of the characters. We even get to learn bits about what the cat likes. Rodrigue quant à lui, est maître présent quand on raconte des histoires aux enfants. When she's left with, oh, yeah. looking after the cat, Rodrigo, I think. And it's you know where we go likes listening to the children telling stories to each other.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> there was one line that I noticed that I thought you probably would have really liked because mm. it was very punny. La, vous rentrez bredouille de la chasse au d'eau. the Bredito basket is empty.
1: Okay, I can't remember like, that one. Like as soon as that they said
0: <laughs> that, I thought Matthew probably really enjoyed nice.
1: that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and i think i might not have noticed that because um the the dialogue and the dialogue is not hugely memorable but the the french the way they use french in this it's so lyrical and it it's a little bit what i like about french as a language it, it has this nice rhythm to it when you use it really well and particularly in the naming of things so that brododo uh, brododo
0: brotodo
1: pas bredoto parce <inaudible> que ça n'est pas d'eau c'est tout. The confusion of that all the way through is is really nicely done. Uh, Nino's mm-hmm. name, Monsieur Quincampoix. Monsieur Quimcompois. I just, I, I love the way it sort of rolls off the tongue, Monsieur Quincampoix. Monsieur Quimcompois. <laughs> It makes me <laughs> chuckle every okay. time. And, uh, all right. I don't, I don't know whether they say it this way, but the rep- repetition of L'EDIDI.
0: Right. L'EDIDI. And, and and you
1: have Mister Glass. I can't remember what his name was, but he says, "Le, de de, le de de, Renoir. Le
0: Didi, Renoir." Right, yeah.
1: But yeah, and anytime some of this comes up, it's just it it really does work for me. Some of the the sort of syllabic choices, as it were, mm-hmm. uh, it's lovely but all the way through there like i said there's just so, there are so many bits and moments um mostly revolving around her face when you get those close ups like you say when she looks at the camera when it really goes in to see what she's doing mm-hmm. um her introduction so that that point 10 minutes in where she turns around and all you can see is her face and it's like oh we finally here we've met our main character uh, where she does the whole scavenger hunt through the park and then at the end of it she removes her glasses and looks at the camera and smiles. Right. It's great. Um, the, mm-hmm. the whole thing of, you know, uh, Amelie wonders how many people are having orgasms right now. And you, you see this shot of many, many people having sex. And then she turns to the camera and goes, Cans. Combien de couples, par exemple, sont-ils en train d'avoir un orgasme à cet instant précis? It's like, I've done a scientific check and I have found out there are 15 people.
0: <laughs> yep, yep, it made me laugh. It's wonderful.
1: Um, <laughs> Yeah, oh, I'm just thinking of all the different bits where you, see, where, where you see her in bed. The one moment of, you know, she's tried um, sleeping with men. It's not really worked for her. You just see her underneath someone sort of giggling at the camera. Yeah. It, this is a funny situation, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> And there is a great moment when Nino's in the diner in the cafe and the waitress comes over and brings him his drink, and when she steps away, they filmed it in such a way that the waitress has covered half the screen. Amelie has stepped into that portion of the screen, so when she steps away, suddenly Amelie has basically stood behind this guy behind glass. Right. Watching him. And then as It was it- a little creepy. Oh really? Yes. Uh, I, I like that it's kind of like she just appears. She's just so excited. Like, <gasps> Monsieur King-Compois is here. Monsieur King-Compois. <laughs> 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 um, but then when he turns around to look at her, she starts writing up the menu. And she just does it w- seemingly without thinking. Backwards mm-hmm. in cursive.
0: Right. Her handwriting is so beautiful to be cursive and backwards.
1: Yeah. I was convinced they must have, v- like, Played it backwards, shot it in a mirror, something like that. But no, apparently she just learnt to write backwards.
0: That is a skill I do not have, and I think it's fantastic. Yeah,
1: just just for that shot, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And and oh, just talking on the way it shot. Th- this film is filled with incredible s- camera sequences and incredible shots. You you talked about how visually appealing it is because they've upped the colour level so often. You know, everything is so green and vibrant and she wears reds and oranges all the time. So she stands mm-hmm. out and you've got the blue lamps in most of the apartments. There is this sort of shot of blue somewhere. Um, but then the camera work they do where you have the crane when she's skimming stones, you have the camera starting behind her, going over the top, and then landing, and you see the stone coming towards you. You have steady cam shots along the floor of the station, up out of the station, and following people off on car and, and on foot and on the moped. Mm-hmm. All, all the way through, the film is usually only a minute or two from doing something really interesting with the, the movement of the camera. And I just... It's it's another element on top of everything else that's so good. So every every so often you go... <gasps> okay, we've been in this shot for a very long time and it's doing some really cool stuff.
0: I have to admit, I don't notice camera work quite as much as you do.
1: Okay. <laughs> it's probably coming from having watched it several times in a not too long... Um, well, that's true. Not too long a period. But there are a few that they do and particularly I think it's when they go to the station the stuff around all the photo booths That in there he's usually using a cam. so it's a... a, a camera operator on foot carrying the camera and also mm-hmm. carrying it very low down. So mm-hmm. it's going along the floor and following people around as they do stuff. That's true. Mm. So basically all of it.
0: <laughs> so basically, all of it, <laughs> basically yeah. all of it.
1: Yeah.
0: And just, I like it when you get excited yeah. about movies,
1: even, even the sort of special effects that aren't special effects, that aren't sort of CG effects. So when Georgette and Joseph go off into the toilet in the cafe, and the basically the building starts shaking mm-hmm. and and they've clearly got a sort of you know motor or something causing the the ripples and everything causing the spoon to move um you know the, the bright green glass that you see her hands slam against right It it just it brings every element of it together so well this is a film i could see them doing really well with a uh You know, where you get food and drink during it as well to match what you're seeing on screen. So trying to add even more senses into it because the whole film okay. is just colors and sounds and interesting things going on.
0: Right, mm. right. Yeah.
1: You'd start off with a creme brulee. Because that's one of her early, you know, faces where she's so excited to crack the top of a creme brulee with a spoon. Mm-hmm. Great. And and ending up with chicken because you get... um. Monsieur Brotardot feeding the chicken oysters to his grandson mm-hmm. at the very end. And it, again, it's just bringing it all full circle. We start off learning that that's a thing he loves for himself. You learn that he's a bit estranged from his family. And by the end, he's sort of... Uh, it's had such a positive impact on him, his interaction with Amelie. Right. Great.
0: Right. Yeah, it was, it was nice. All right. Well, is there anything else that we need to discuss about Amelie?
1: So basically from the introduction of the book of photos at that 40 minute mark, there was a mystery in this film for about an hour. Who is the bald man in the photos? Is he a ghost? Mm -hmm. Is he, uh, I can't remember all the different things they come up with for him. Did you have any theories as you watched anything you thought it was going to be?
0: I did not, but I absolutely loved how logical the explanation ended up being.
1: Mm. It
0: made perfect perfect sense
1: because it's mundane but not boring
0: right yes it's much better than imagining just this guy who randomly goes around and has his photo taken at all the photo booths yeah and then throws away the pictures like why would anybody do that oh well he's the repairman of
1: course Mm. and i think it's satisfying because it is an explainable reason it's not contrived like you say of anything they've come up with a whole thing they've had to jump through hoops to get to
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it it grounds the film again this fantastical film that is grounded in a modern day city and setting
0: right Mm. yeah
1: Okay. I had no clue either watching it I was like I had no idea what this is going to be
0: yeah Yeah. Um, I did find her explanation very strange (laughs) 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 that he's invisible but like touches women's necks and goes Ooh, after she wrote the, the ghost train, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was strange. Yeah, was strange.
0: So, I did have one question for you before we wrap up. Okay, were you aware that uh, the crazy Americans turned this into a musical on Broadway?
1: I was not until earlier in the week when I read about it.
0: Have you watched any of it at all? Have you seen do you want to?
1: I'm going to put my voice a bit lower because I know she's downstairs. I have bought Catherine tickets to go and see it next year.
0: Okay, so we're <laughs> going to edit that out of the podcast.
1: <laughs> Happy Christmas, my love.
0: <laughs> That's wonderful. That's so wonderful. Because no,
1: I read about it. I was like, oh, interesting. I wonder if it's ever come on over here. Oh, cool. It's touring in 2019. Oh, cool. It's touring nice. at the next town over. Okay. Nice.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I watched a little bit of the opening number okay. because someone has uploaded it on to YouTube. Nice. Almost the whole thing, but the title of it is This Is Not Amelie. Right. <laughs> I guess trying to get around copyright. Um, and so I watched a little bit of, of the opening sequence and it's it's not good quality, so I was struggling with understanding them a little bit, mm. but it sounds, it sounds good. And I think that, I, I think it's going to lose a little bit in translation of something that's very wholly French being turned into something American mm. at this point. Um, but I like from the beginning they're setting up the idea that everybody's connected though they just don't understand it. Okay, which is a central theme of this movie that's never directly spoken, Mm. which I think is interesting. Um, and Philippa Sue, who was in Hamilton, originated the role of Amelie on Broadway, and so I was watching her sing, and it was quite lovely. Okay, quite lovely
1: because yeah, that that was part of the trailers for Amelie. The, there were several teaser trailers that were um, about a specific character, her father mm-hmm. or uh, Joseph or, or someone, you know, his life is going to be changed by Amelie. He just doesn't know it yet. So it gives mm. you those snippets about what the person likes. And then it says that thing. And then the right. full trailer was much more about all these different characters are connected. And here, right. here is why that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, again, it feels like that's the sort of thing the film wants you to take away. But I don't think it is really part of it. It doesn't deliver on that fact. Mm -hmm. Mm, Interesting.
0: It wants to deliver that, but I'm not sure it entirely does. No, absolutely. Until you hear somebody specifically say it and then you're like, oh. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I can see that. But you kind of need help getting there.
1: But it's still great. If you haven't watched it, I recommend going and seeing it
0: i'm so glad you love this movie
1: (laughs) i was surprised by how much um like i say audrey hepburn doesn't go very far for me um because she's only got a couple of things there there was a quote someone said after watching charade that uh, a reviewer wrote about audrey hepburn saying um she runs the full gamut of emotions from a to b (laughs) oh Oh, wow whereas i think audrey too can do it all and and delivers on it all the way through there was a uh in Roger Ebert's review he had a line that said um it's, ha- it's so hard to make a nimble charming comedy it's so hard to get the tone right and find actors who embody charm instead of impersonating it and that for me is some ways exactly it this is this feels like the perfect role for this actor whereas mm-hmm. Audrey Hepburn is always either being a bit shocked about something or banter banter banter
0: well, I've only ever seen Audrey Hepburn in one thing, so okay, I-, I can't speak to that.
1: I can't remember what that was now. My Fair Lady?
0: My Fair Lady. Yeah.
1: But yeah, Audrey Tattoo, I think just, oh, she's wonderful in this.
0: She was. Hmm. Absolutely. I I will wholeheartedly agree with
1: that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right well if you would like to join the conversation and also gush about this movie with matthew you can use the hashtag pc deprived on twitter you can find us on twitter facebook and instagram at eloquent gushing or you can send an email to podcast at dot com. you can find us both on twitter i'm at mandy k
1: and i'm at matthew Vos. We are 100% funded by listeners like you through Patreon. Anything you can give, even $1 a month, gives access to exclusive content and helps to support the network and develop new shows. To find out more, visit patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And don't forget to check out our homepage eloquentgushing.com where you can find old episodes of this show and all our other shows.
0: We'll be back next week with another episode where we'll talk about Say Anything. Until next time, I'm Mandy Kay.
1: Et sans toi, les émotions d'aujourd'hui ne sont rien que des émotions d'autrefois. Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, go to eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.
0: Yeah, I have no idea what that means.
1: Without you, the emotions of today are just the scurf of the emotions of yesterday.
0: Oh, right. Ah. Right. <laughs> okay. Thought the one
1: quotable line from this film. <laughs> 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 <laughs>